0: conversations so on this podcast we like to talk about all the facets of the music industry and bridge the gaps between them so i'm julian francis here with my co-host elena henry hello and this week our guest is dr Knowles.
1: how are you ladies
0: good how are you good how are you
1: good thank you for inviting me i'm looking forward to the next hour to spend with you.
2: you thank you for coming on So can you give the listeners a brief introduction of yourself?
1: Well, I'll do it brief, uh, brief, but I did, uh, you know, back educationally, I have a degree in business administration and marketing uh, economics. I went back and got my MBA years ago in strategic planning and organizational culture. Um, went back and got my Ph.D. in business administration. Uh, I'll be attending Harvard in their professional development uh, this fall semester uh, in ethnic, ethical leadership. Uh, looking forward to that. Uh, did 20 years of corporate America before I got into the music industry, so diagnostic imaging equipment and surgical equipment. And then I got into the music industry. Um, Because of what was happening in the medical field called managed care, uh, it forced me to want to change my passion. And a lot of us, and a lot of those of you, uh, it's really important that you identify the one thing that you're passionate about, that thing that gets you excited, that motivates you, the thing you dream about. Uh, Because that's what you want to live. You want to live your passion because the last thing you want to do is every day go to work. Uh, You want to go and live your passion every day, not go to to a job every day. Uh, And so I knew it was time for me to leave corporate America because it was becoming a job. And I thought, well, what is it that I want my next move to be? And and when I say leave, I didn't quit. I, I transitioned. I went back to school. I took music management courses. I took uh, public speaking courses. I took music production courses, publishing courses, so that I could gather knowledge. But more importantly, I went to every seminar I could get my hands on, just so that I could also build relationships in the music industry, which is critical for success. And so now it's been right at 28 years. Uh, in the music industry. You guys know Beyonce and Solange are my daughters. I created Destiny's Child, uh, but I've done much more than that. You know, I, the last albums of Chaka Khan and The OJs and Earth, Wind, and Fire and Cool in a Gang, uh, Dionne Ferris, and I can go on and on um, on my label with 4,000 songs on that catalog. And then there's Music World Film and TV that you'll hear more about. In the upcoming year, Uh, we'll have a Destiny's Child musical uh, That when we get back to to life as it was, uh, or as it's gotten better when it comes back, I hope. Uh, But that will be announced soon, as well as documentaries and some other film and TV. So in a nutshell, I'm a college professor, 12 years now. Um, I've actually lectured there at your school. Uh, and so I'm excited about uh, continuing this year. I'm at uh, Prairie View a and University teaching sports event and entertainment marketing. So that's who I am.
0: Well, thank you. So, can you tell us how you um, got about starting Music World Entertainment?
1: Well, one that day that I knew that I no longer had a passion. Uh, for corporate America, and what my my position was at the time, I had to first ask what was I passionate about. What 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 was that one thing? And as a kid, I um, a mom made me play the piano, learn take piano lessons. I hated it. I absolutely hated taking piano lessons. Uh, but now I love it. I wish I had a continued. Actually. Um, but it just wasn't cool uh and and as growing up, I was in a boy band, and you know we did it for fun uh but most importantly my 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 dad made me his d j because on Sundays he would after Sunday dinner want to dance with my mom, which was uncomfortable for me as a kid to watch dance <laughs> but he would make me play you know, they had this record player with vinyl and If the record skipped, uh, he would get upset, so I had a dime, a nickel, and a quarter that I would put on top of the needle, so it wouldn't scratch, but I learned a playlist, and I learned what mood my dad was in, so I now look back and say, you know, he helped me to be a DJ. I didn't even know what I was doing, but now I look back, uh, but I love that experience of reading the liner notes and knowing what records and playlists to put together. Uh, so I always loved music, and and that was the first thing, was to do what I love. And that's how I started Music World Entertainment, based on passion. And at the same time, Beyonce uh, was a little girl, and, and they had lost on Star Search, which is like American Idol. Um, and, and so when they lost the host. I went up to him and I said, hey, what is a dad supposed to do? His kid just lost, they're crying, these little girls. And he said to me, on this show, Justin Timberlake had lost, Usher had lost, Christina Aguilera had lost, Boys to Men had lost. And so he said, I don't understand all of these great artists, they lose on, on Star Search and go on to be successful because they make changes and they rededicate. They refocus. Uh, and, and that's what that, that combination of me not liking my job anymore and Beyonce losing on Star Search was a perfect storm for me to get in the music industry.
2: So, what is it like to be the CEO of such a massive company? Because I know there's lots of facets of it. So, like, how do you, what do you do in a day as CEO? What
1: I do in a day, I have fun all <laughs> day long. I have fun. You know, with the pandemic, uh, obviously, we stayed at home, um, but nothing changed. Actually, I'm doing more than before. I learned this technology called Zoom. I had really never done maybe 10 Zoom calls previous. Today, I was just at Medium, which is a major music conference uh, that has about 125,000 people normally physically in attendance in the south of France. Uh, But now obviously it's being done uh, on Zoom. So I was uh, just got off of that call. There was about a couple of thousand people. Um, We just announced a streaming platform that I want you all to know about. It's called Me Playlist. And Me Playlist, the founder is in Lagos. Lagos, Nigeria, it's an African-based streaming platform. Uh, And we believe African music will expand, especially with the younger generation, as your curiosity curiosity to find new music. Uh, And we're excited about having a uh, streaming platform based out of Africa, but it also has music from around the world. Uh, so I just got off of my uh, I'll have class. I lectured a couple of guest lectures. I, I've done that. So I'm on Zoom most of the day. I'm advancing uh, deals. I'm advancing opportunities. I'm no longer in the artist management business. I, that's not my passion anymore, number one, although I still manage Destiny's Child. And in a given day, I have to communicate with Sony. It might be a license of a song or a movie or a video game or a compilation somewhere. So I'm still engaged as the manager of Destiny's Child. Uh, But I'm also putting together film and TV deals. Uh, We have 30,000 hours of content. So we are in the process of digitally transferring all of this analog to digital. Uh, so I keep my hands full. I'm a guest lecturer. I do public speaking, which I love and enjoy. Um, so got some days, I'm, I'm literally 12-hour days. But if you're passionate about it, that's why with passion, what coexists is work ethics. If you're going to be the best or great at it, and, and we've, been, we've been blessed and grateful to be the best at something. You know, imagine being the best in the world. You know, I've been the number one sales rep in the world, in corporate America. I've managed the number one female group in the world. Uh, I've managed the number one female artist in the world. Uh, I have two daughters that are the only two sisters in the history of music to have number one albums in the same year. I'm talking about being the best in the world. That's different than being average. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, All I can say is I agree. That's, that's, you know, it's amazing.
1: Thank you. Um,
0: So I know you said, uh, you know, managing and promoting artists is not your passion anymore, but you did spend time doing that. So what was your approach to promoting and marketing artists?
1: Well, my first approach uh, is actually sitting down and having a conversation with artists and getting to know them as a person, uh, getting to understand what's their passion. Uh, if this is a hobby, because a lot of people get into the music industry, especially, especially from an artistic view, uh, they get into it, it's really a hobby for them. It's not a passion. Uh, uh, and it's okay to have a hobby. I occasionally like to go out on my boat Uh, But I don't dream and think about it every day. And I don't want to, you know, go and clean up my boat and learn how to do the mechanics and stuff because it's a hobby. And a lot of people, this is what music is for them. So I have to identify first if this is a passion of theirs. Many times it doesn't get past that for me. Uh, and I've managed, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but I've na- managed Nas, I've managed Mario, uh, I've managed some major names in the music industry. Um, and obviously, Solange, Sa- Michelle, Kelly, and Beyonce, and Destiny Shaw. So it's about first understanding that. Will they listen? Or do they think they know it all? Is this their primary focus? or? Do they want to be an artist and then say, you know, I want to be an artist and then I want to also be a producer and songwriter and I want to have a merchandise company? You know, and if they do that, then I step away because I know they're not focused on one thing first. Now you can have all those other things once you become a successful artist. Right. Those things that happen, but not first, not initially. And it takes about six years from the day you start to the day someone really knows who you are. Six years, are you willing to make that commitment? I have to look at age. I have to look, especially a female, at imaging. All of those things are important. Are you wanting to do up-tempo songs, but you can't dance? Well, that's a problem, right? Right. So I have to look at what artist development that, that's needed. And do I want to spend the time? Because artists come to me, they're a liability, not an asset. And what that means is I'm not making money and I'm spending a lot of time on you. And I'm spending my own money on you. So I don't, you know, I don't pick and choose who I want to do that. And that's what artists have to understand. That true managers at a high level, you are a liability, not an asset. You're only an asset when you generate revenue. We're in a business. We're not emotionally attached. We, we're business. We Got to run a business. We have employees and expenses that we have to.
2: Yeah, I think it's very easy for people to not understand like the music business is a business because it focuses on art, but it's still about making money.
1: Yes, it mm-hmm.
2: is. Given like how social media is such a big influence now, how important is it that musicians know how to promote and market themselves?
1: Well, it's critical, um, and that's part of a manager's role is to make ensure that they do know how to promote and market themselves. I mean, the, the formula for being successful is the same formula for selling and being successful, selling a product. He or she who has the most audience will sell the most. So if your audience combined is only 10,000 people, and someone else's audience combined is 100,000 people, we have a conversion rate that we use. It's typically 1% or 1.5%. So it's very easily, we can very easily determine what your conversion rate will be for a concert, for streaming, because it's going to typically be 1%. Now, if you've got a really huge... uh, you know, like a Beyoncé, it might be seven or eight percent, but typically it's one percent of all your numbers. Those are the people that's going to buy your T-shirt. those are the people that's the percent that's going to buy your ticket or stream your, go and stream your music. So you have to build and develop this audience, and it's an ongoing thing, as you know, uh, and it requires work as you know constantly engage with social media because it is that engagement and the audience knows if you're truly engaged or not
0: right yeah we've kind of gotten to a point where people almost want to feel like they're friends with these people who they're probably never even going to meet
1: yeah yeah
2: it's very easy to like blur the line between like this is professional and this is personal with social media i think especially as artists and like Instagram live and stuff. It's like, mm-hmm. it can be really bad. Yeah.
1: Well, I think you have to learn. Um, and I suggest, you know, I'm an author also, I left that all, I have six books. My last, next to the last book was media and public relations. Uh, and I talk about, you know, that engagement and how you have some of the things you have to do, uh, as a professional to stay engaged and, and separate those lines between being a fan, being a friend, and being a professional. Uh, they are all different.
2: Yeah. yeah. So um, as Julianne said in our intro, we like to talk about how all the different parts of the industry connect. So how is executive producing a record different than producing a record?
1: So the producer, and that's a very good question, because you have artists, You have songwriter, you have producer, and you have executive producer. And those are your basic titles. And sometimes you'll see a credit for the engineer, and sometimes you'll see a credit for the studio. But those are your four basic credits artist, songwriter, producer, executive producer. And sometimes, occasionally, If you're a megastar, you could be all four. They didn't start out that way. Uh, Beyonce didn't start out with, she only started out with one credit, artist. And obviously we know uh, what a songwriter do in terms of medley medley and lyrics and musical tracks. And sometimes there's a blurred line uh, from producer and songwriter uh, and it's according to the genre of music, you know, and R&B and hip hop, a producer is the person who does the track. Well, in country music, that title doesn't exist often. When you look at old school country artists, they don't have producers, they have songwriters. Right. And again, it's according to the genre of music. Uh, and But the real definition of, of, of the producer also is the one who managed it, managed the session. Uh, and they make sure that the engineer, the right equipment, that they have the right songwriters, uh, that they have the session reports done, the administrative stuff truly is what a producer is supposed to do. Um, the credits are correct, that the, Publishing splits are done. But often that executive producer has to do that uh, mm. and, and make sure all those things are done. And then the, the executive producer is kind of looking where this one producer is producing his or her song, and they're really focused on that song. Executive producer, you have to focus on the whole album. And does this song fit into this whole album? And it's role to give input to the artist um, that maybe this is not the right song or you're going in the wrong direction and we right. work closely with A&R, artist and repertoire uh, with the record label that's a that's a, uh, a general overview of what a producer and executive producer songwriter and artist
0: yeah I think I think uh, a lot of people get that confused especially now with what you brought up about Hip-hop is, I, I think now that's what most people think of when they think of producer, is somebody who makes the track, like you said. Yeah,
1: and they're really a songwriter.
0: Right, yeah, but, they're just doing but, it on the computer.
1: black music, from the very beginning, and I think a lot of it had to do uh, with sexism, uh, that women weren't allowed to do, do tracks, and, and so they never got that title producer. Um, And I I often talk about that and fight for women's rights in in that regard.
2: Yeah, I think I was looking at some statistics of the people who won Grammys and of all the records that have won Grammys, I think 8% of the producers on those records were women from like, I think a span of 12 years.
1: that's my point. Yeah. And they didn't have managers and they didn't have record label executives that fought for them.
2: Yeah. So what traits would you say make a successful artist or a music industry professional?
1: Well, I, let's deal with one at a time. So an artist, what are the traits? Um, passion is a trait for both. Um, work ethics comes with passion. It coexists if you're passionate. Uh, I think the uh, ability to not be afraid to take risk so I think risk-taking. Well, a successful artist is not going to want to do it like everybody else. Um, they're going to want to think outside of the box and not get boxed in. Well, this is the hot thing right now. This is the hot beat right now. Well, everything is now 98 beats per minute. Oh, well, and they decide, well, I'm going to do something 80 beats per minute. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's being different. Uh, I think successful artists understand the word team and, and building a team around them, starting with their manager, who's the most important person after the artist on the team, picking the right record label, getting the right entertainment attorney, getting the right business manager, getting the right publishing company, know, that's that team that's surrounding the artists and their success. Uh, I think planning uh, becomes an important part for artists, like planning out their career. Uh, What genre of music, does that match the genre of music and who they are? You know, you see a lot of people, going back to the example, uh, do an up-tempo song and they can't dance. Like, that's not a good look. And we know some artists that uh, that hurt their career, uh, that they couldn't perform because, you know, dancing is part of performing. Uh, So those are some of the traits, listening, uh, wanting to be the best at what they do, uh, and knowing that they're going to make mistakes and, and not quitting, understanding that mistakes is an opportunity to grow and not a reason to quit. And trust me, in this music industry, you will make mistakes. You will hear people tell you no. You will hear people tell you we're going another direction. You will hear hear that repeatedly in a creative industry. So those are some of the things for the artist. Now the second one was
2: industry professional.
1: Well, a lot of that is. It really falls also for the industry professional. Um, Not so much as making a record, obviously. That's going to fall more on the artist, the creative process. uh, But the business process is also about knowledge and experience. How much knowledge? Have you gone to seminars? Have you interned? You know, in the music industry, we really don't care what your degree is. The first thing I'm going to ask is what is your experience? When you come to the music world and I have a position open in marketing, I'm not going to ask you what your degree is. I would care less what your degree is or what your grade point average is. Now, you could come in with an A plus GPA from a grade school with no experience, and here comes someone with a C, but let's see they intern at puffy label they intern at beats uh, or they intern at apple they, you know then i'm like and they intern in the marketing division that's the person i'm going to hire the person that has experience and went to school so mm-hmm. just know if you are a student and you intern then that's even a double uh Dual edged sword that you have to cut through and get the position so it's about being a complete person if you're going to be in the music
0: yeah I think we've heard that a lot from a lot of different people it's it's definitely you know you're getting the degree as a window to your experience and the experience is what really matters yes yeah yeah so speaking about the the music industry um what do you think about The industry, and you can talk about coronavirus, or you cannot talk about it. You can talk about how people of color are treated in the industry. You cannot talk about it. It's totally open question.
1: Yeah, well, I'll talk about both. I I mean, I think all of my life, I'm 68 years old. um, Change will happen in your lifetime many, many times. Change is really about adapting and modifying, modifying behavior modifying beliefs, and modifying our approach. In my lifetime, I've seen an eight-track cassette, and that was how we listened to music. Then one day, a cassette came out. And then we listened to cassettes. Thought that would be the way we always listen to music. Then one day, somebody came out with a CD. What is this thing? Well, is it a Frisbee? Do we throw it? What is it? Then somebody said, well, we can actually stream this digital. What does that mean? And guess what? Someone else will come out with something else. It will constantly be changing. And that's what has happened with the coronavirus. It's taught us to do it a different and more effective way, to modify, alter, and adapt. Yeah. Modify, alter, and adapt. That's what coronavirus has given us. If I'm a songwriter, and songwriting is about, and I I talk about songwriting, I'm fortunate that I've written, co-written, not by myself, but I've co-written a number one song on Billboard charts, uh, Survivor, by Destiny's Shop. When you have life experiences, that's when you become a great songwriter. You can't write about love truly if you've never been in love.
0: Right.
1: You can't write about fear truly if you've never been frightened. So coronavirus has given us all of these emotional experiences. So this is a beautiful time for a songwriter. While they were forced to sit at home, scared that they were going to get it, or their parents was going to die, or their grandparents were going to die, stuck at home and can't interact with friends and know, that's a wonderful time for a songwriter. It's a wonderful time for an artist to write a song or learn how to play the guitar. So I see all the beauty that the coronavirus has given us. So now that we look at what's happening in society, the racism, I don't sugarcoat it, call it what it is that exists in America I'm most proud of you young people I'm proud of young people all I tell every time I talk all the old people should step aside and let you young people lead us you are our leaders and I want y'all to really take that to heart You have wonderful, great leadership skills, and the world has changed. When you look at these these demonstrations, these aren't just black people. These are black and white young people, your age, together. The world is not like when I grew up. Color doesn't mean the same as it did when I grew up. Hatred doesn't mean the same. You guys grew up with black men and women. Dated black men and women. you had kids with black men and women. You married a black man and woman. It's a different day. So a lot of people are like, why are all these white kids and black kids together? That's why. It's a different world. And the best music ever written, ever performed was in adversity. It was when we had change. Marvin Gaye still is ranked. If I was on an island, that would be the album, because we had the face of wars then. We had civil rights movement. We had Vietnam. We had all of these challenges. So the coronavirus is just whatever we brought to the coronavirus. We were frightened of something. If we hated something, if we wanted something, it's 20 times more now which is why you're seeing all of that, because in a crisis, it gets magnified, your feelings.
2: Yeah, I totally
1: agree. I'm looking at both of y'all to be the leaders, so tomorrow.
2: Thank you. No pressure. (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. So here on Backbeat Conversations, we do this little segment every episode called the Shut Up and Let Me Do It Moment. And that's inspired by our COO of our record label said that one time in an interview because they asked for a quote that described her. She said, shut up and let me do it. And so we feel like in this industry, there's often a moment of unexpected validation when you realize how much you've grown. So the shut up and let me do it moment is the time where you felt comfortable enough and that you knew enough to say, shut up and let me do it. I can do this. So can you tell us your shut up and let me do
1: it moment? The first time... Anytime. Because I often say that a lot. Shut up. Let me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Whatever time you want.
1: Oh, wow. Gosh. Well, I, I believe I, I have this thing of entrepreneurship and, and what that really means, entrepreneurship. And for me and how I have ran music role over these 28 years is I want to know every position at my company. And I want to do every position in my company because I can't manage my staff if I don't know what they're supposed to do. And I want to be better at it than they are. And so I put that effort, the time, and the energy to be great. And it takes a lot of time, effort, and energy. Most people don't know that every Destiny's Child concert, live concert, I ran the front of the house, the first three Beyonce. Live concerts, world. These are worldwide concerts. Largest one was 150,000 people in Brazil. I did her vocals at the front of the house because when Destiny's Child went on their very first tour with Boys to Men, we didn't have a sound engineer, and so we had to pay the second guy for Boys to Men, and he didn't know all the girls' vocal ability and who was talking and who in between songs. And it was a hot mess the first five days. And I said, I've got to do this. And I learned it. So that would be my first one was on the Boys to Men tour. Shut up, I got this. That would be my first.
2: Yeah, that's a good one. Because that was just, you had to do it. You had to just jump in and do it.
1: Or it would have failed.
2: Yeah. Right. Sink or swim. Exactly. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, with those last couple questions, we tend to get a little heavy. So we like to take a nice left turn and ask a more lighthearted question. Um, So what is your favorite
2: food? My
1: favorite food? Oh, I like fish. Uh, I like fish. You know, I'm not into fried food anymore. I made some lifestyle changes. I uh, eat very he- healthy, fish, salads, you know, that's fruit. That's differently what I eat, uh, typically what I eat. Um, so that would be it. Fish?
2: Yeah. I like that. So what are your life goals?
1: My life goal is to educate and motivate in three areas, music, business, entrepreneurship, and health and wellness did you notice I did not hesitate when you asked me that because I know what I'm passionate about. And when someone asks you, what are you passionate about? Which is what you asked me. What are my life goals? Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to live my passion. That's my lifetime goal. And I didn't have to hesitate because I know what I'm passionate about. Uh, And you should not have to hesitate when someone asks you that because you know what you're passionate about. Your lifetime goal you should know. So I clearly know what I'm passionate about and what my lifetime goals are. It's in and to motivate.
2: Yeah. I think you're the first person who hasn't hesitated on that question. Yeah. In all these we've taped. <laughs>
1: well, I, uh, I highly advise that you take up, read my first book, The DNA of Achievers, Ten Traits of Highly Successful Professionals. And when you look at highly successful people, let me tell you what my first day in the classroom with Dr. Knowles is like. Everybody, you know, introduced themselves. I asked them, what is their goals? What are their goals? You know, And I let allow them to talk about what they want to get out of the class. And then I talk a little about about me, and then I say to them, if you're not here, have the desire to be the very best, don't come back. Mm. I would much rather have three people, I typically average 30 to 50 people. I much rather have three people that their goal is to be the very best at what they do than to be average. I have zero tolerance for average people. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. If if you have to have that drive. Yeah. 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 If you don't want to be the best at whatever you're doing. Why are you doing it?
1: And to mm-hmm. just be at a junior college and not having your parents spend a whole bunch of money and getting a lot of aid. Because it's, it's kind of like I said, you just want to be average. Why, what's the point? Right. Because it'd be great. You're going to want to do internship. You're going to want to do podcasts or extra things that require more work. Uh, and, and those are the people that end up making a real mark in the world that end up in the area of greatness uh, that put in that extra because they're passionate about what they do. It all goes back to if you are doing this for a reason other than your passion, it will fail. If you're doing it for money, it will fail. If you're doing it for fame, it will fail. If you're doing it because your mama wanted you to do it, it will fail. You have to do it for the right reason, whatever it is. There is no bad passion.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. I've, I've met a lot of people who just, they're not sure, and then they're afraid to take steps. Like, they're afraid to even find out what they're passionate about because mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't know how to do it.
1: And well, the first is admitting, uh, and then it's just identifying, what do I like? Yeah. What do I like? And what do I spend most of my time doing? It's really simple. What do I like? Yeah. What do I spend most of my time doing? That will begin to put you on the trail. Hey, if I spend most of my time playing a guitar, okay. That's an indication. Possibly a passion. Is that because you have to play it or is that because you want to play it? Right. Do you not play it more because you don't have the money to get the things you need? And, you know, all of that has to be identified and you'll find your passion. Hey, look, as as a kid, Beyoncé Solange, all they wanted to do was sing and dance all day long. Sing and dance, sing and dance, sing and dance. And so as a parent, uh, me and my former wife, who's my friend now, we said, hey, we have to surround the kids, see if they like this. And I'm not like it, but love this. So we got to put them in dance lessons, Uh, put them in a dance troupe. They took vocal lessons. You know, they took... Uh, they were in the plays in school and that was what they were passionate about. I always say this to a parent. How do you know if your kid's not passionate? So I always like to use a, a boy, a hard head boy. So imagine a 10 year old that's playing for the first time softball. Like does this kid on the day of practice, do you have to tell him, Hey, Ronnie, it's time to go to practice, or does Ronnie bug the hell out of you? Like, Daddy, Daddy, I got to get to practice tomorrow. Then you know they're passionate about it, right? Yeah. (laughs) If you have to tell them, hey, Ronnie, it's time for you to go to practice, probably not passionate about it. It's real simple. We make things difficult.
2: Yeah, we complicate things a little more than they need to be complicated.
1: I yes. love to keep it simple.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, do you have a a quote or some? It can even be something that you you like to say that either describes you or you really resonate with, or just brings you some type of happiness or inspiration.
1: I'll tell a story. I'm a story a storyteller, as you can probably tell. So, I travel a whole lot, and I uh, was at Los Angeles Airport years ago, and I pretty much end every presentation, every speech. I I pretty much end with what I'm about to say. And so I'm going down this escalator, and at the bottom of the escalator was a nun from Mexico. She had this jar, and she had it taped on there, please give to missionary. And of course, missionary was grossly misspelled, but that's not the point here. And I've learned to give and not be judgmental. So i reached in my pocket and I gave. And she gave me then a card, a business card. And I'm so guilty uh, when I do these speeches and lectures. A lot of people run up and give me business cards. And I'm you know, honest about it. I, I normally don't look at them because I want to see just other ways of getting in touch with people today. And giving a business card has become obsolete. But at this time, you know, business cards was, was in. I finally read, I was at a car wash, and I would put one business card in another pair of jeans and another pair of jeans. And I finally, in my boredom, went through my pockets, and I read the back of the card. This is what I want to leave you with. It said, pray not. And this can go with the coronavirus. It can go with your personal life, your professional life. But it said again, pray not for a life free from trouble. Pray for triumph over trouble. For what you and I call adversity, the universe, God, whatever name you want to use, calls opportunity. So, You have to ask yourself, pray not for a life free from trouble. Pray for triumph over trouble. But what you and I call adversity, the universe God calls opportunity. So the question is, we're in adversity right now. Coronavirus, black and white relationships, could be family relationship, could be school. You could be in adversity in your life right now. But what is the opportunity? We talked about it. Coronavirus, opportunity from a songwriter. Wow, thank you for this opportunity. From an artist, wow, thank you for this opportunity. Adversity with racism. We have an opportunity to change who's going to be the next president. Wow, thank you for bringing us to the highlight even more. In every adversity, there is opportunity. And those who take advantage of that opportunity, and that's why you hear the words window of opportunity, that window opens and it closes. And it's up to you to be prepared when the window opens. Not a lot is being prepared. So that window is open right now. And how are you going to use it? That's what I want to leave with.
2: Yeah, that's profound. Yeah, because I know our professor always says, like, you have to be ready to take the opportunity when it comes along, because if you're Mm -hmm. if you don't have the skills, when the opportunity presents itself, you miss the opportunity. So it's not dumb luck. It's being prepared and then having a possible opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Yep. I thank you so much for giving me this opportunity because I enjoy I enjoy this, as you can tell, probably. I uh, I really love what I do. Yeah. I do it from my heart and from my passion and from my desire to be the very best at it.
2: And we would like to thank you for this opportunity to talk to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for being willing to come on.
1: And you guys are welcome. Don't forget, I need you guys to go to Me Playlist.
0: Yeah, yes. that, I definitely want to check that out. It sounds really cool.
1: Thank you. Have a great day.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Backbeat Conversations. We put out a new episode every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on all streaming platforms. Thank you to Dr. Knowles for being our guest today. Backbeat Conversations signing off.